Welcome to Perspectives in Sickle Cell Disease, a podcast that brings together people living with sickle cell disease and sickle cell trait, with specialist haematologists to exchange experiences and bring clinical guidelines to life. In this episode, a mother and daughter are joined by haematologist Professor Leon Chilolo for an interview about the experience of raising a child with sickle cell disease, navigating the world of online misinformation about the condition, and how to improve communication and trust between doctors and patients. Hello, my name is Mandy Watty Miller, and I was diagnosed with sickle cell trait at the age of 25. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Monique and Donia about growing up with sickle cell disease across two continents. So thank you so much, Monique and um, Donia. So first of all, I'd like you to tell us about a little bit about yourself and your family. My name is Monique. I was married, but my husband passed away now. And I got four children, three daughters with a sickle cell. And my bo- my son is the carrier, is AS. I-, I was in Congo, I give birth in Congo, all of my four children. And uh, after that, when uh, they are diagnostic the sickle cell, I moved to Belgium. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. But the, the time I moved to Belgium, I had only two children. So can you tell us about your family journey to a diagnosis of your child's sickle cell disease? And your and sickle cell traits. You said you've got four children. The beginning, I didn't know about uh, this disease. I hear about this in Congo, like uh, is a disease the children don't grow, they pass away, uh, they have a, a short life. That's all. I didn't know about electrophoresis. electrophoresis. Of, yeah, I just know the blood type. For me, is something is not it cannot happen to me. It's far from me. When I got Donia, everything is perfect. And I got my second daughter. And when she, she had nine months, I just noticed the hand. Both hands is swelling. And I say, what's happened? And I, for me, it was like the nanny. That let her fall. Fall. Because when I touch my baby, she's crying. I say, what's happened? And I didn't know what's happened. And um, we checked with my husband. And my husband said, no, 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 let's go to the doctor and to see what's happened. And when we arrived to the doctor, it was a good uh, pediatrician. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he just examined my daughter and he said to me, we have to go for the blood test. The We have to do a deeper and more profound blood test. Bl- blood test. Okay. Yeah. And uh, after that, he, ca- uh, he called me back for the result. He told me, uh, my daughter, she's sickle cell. And I said, what? Why? And how? And he said, maybe you are a carrier or your husband. And this time I said, no, my blood type is all negative. And my husband is all positive. He said, no. And that time he explained me what is. <sighs> my goodness, it was very... Because you don't know about this disease. For you, this, my child is going to pass away. And uh, immediately, it was a, that's what I say is a, a good doctor because he asked me also to do a test for Donia. Didn't have a symptom, nothing. And he said, no, it's going to be good to check also Donia. And uh, they take the blood of Donia. 
And also I got the result, it was also sickle cell. And this time it was like the sky fall on my head and I'm crying, I'm screaming on the hospital because for me, my daughter gonna pass away now. I didn't know about this disease. And he asked us, my husband and me to go for the blood test also to know exactly if we are the carrier. And we got the result. Uh, we was AS and AS, both. So you was both the carriers then, but you just wasn't, you wasn't aware of this at the time. Yeah. How did your husband feel? Oh, but the men, eh? you know, the men didn't uh, show uh, his emotion. Uh, but I had a lot of problem with my family-in-law, especially African people, you know. For them, he's coming from my family, from my part, because for them, they don't know about this disease. <laughs> and it was a big, big, big uh, problem, I can say. How has it changed your family's daily lives following the diagnosis? Yeah, it's changed a lot of things. And also, you know, in Africa also, we... We have um, in the family years, like a priest, he's very influenced in the family. And he said to my family-in-law, you know, like is this, that's mean uh, my relation is not something coming from God. We cannot uh, live together. The, the proof is they have uh, children with uh, disease. That's mean is not from in God because God, when he gave you, <laughs> a uh, husband or, or uh, 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 children or a woman, he cannot give you something like this. And in the meantime, he is starting to influence my husband also. And uh, after that, I decided to, to move, to go to Belgium. So it had a, a big impact in their relationship yeah. as a couple um, because the family relied a lot on religious belief and the priest and the church and what the priest says is true. So because he said that it was not approved, the relationship was not approved by God. But they didn't tell me like this straight, but you can feel it. You can feel it, everything's changed, you know? But uh, after that, uh, my relation with my husband didn't be good. It, it wasn't, wasn't good anymore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have some support also for, from my sister-in-law. And we go to, to see other doctors, especially about sickle uh, cell. I have a Belgian passport and uh, I, I decide to go to Belgium for uh, best treatment for my... Okay. So when you said you got more information, was that mainly when you, was, when you moved to Belgium, you got more information around sickle cell disease before, or was it while you was in Africa? Yeah, when I was in Congo, uh, uh, like uh, in this time, we didn't have a Google, something like this to go, but I tried to ask more questions to the doctor. But I, it's true. I can say when I went to Belgium, I learned a lot about this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what do you think the main challenges are that you faced when you was managing um, with your children who had sickle cell? <laughs> it's a lot of challenge. Like now, uh, I told you I have three daughters with a sickle cell. Uh, Donia, she's, she's in Congo now. She's not living with me and she's very independent. And also Donia, she doesn't have a severe one. She doesn't have a, a lot of crisis. But my second daughter, she got a lot of crisis and she's also got a stroke. Three stroke. Yeah. And she's in a wheelchair. 
and she's uh, 32, mm -hmm. 32 years old. And the challenge is like, I'm not, like I say, freedom. I cannot travel like, like I want. I have to be there all the time because nobody can take off your child like you because yeah. you know more about this disease. I can say I'm like a doctor now. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I know more than the doctor. <laughs> so that leads me on to my next question, because I was going to actually ask, what do you think doctors need to better understand the, about the experience of people living with sickle cell disease? The doctor needs to have a better and more profound collaboration with the caregiver, the, the parents especially. Sometimes it's we you in face of a doctor who thinks he knows it all, but if you can collaborate with the parents, uh, it improves treatments as well because parents know a lot about their children's situation. Um, and if a doctor is stubborn and doesn't want to collaborate, there are many things he can over overpass, oversee, yes. and go too deep. It too. Yeah, and especially it depends because some doctor knows a lot of about sickle cell, but is the country is a doctor they don't know they they learn at school, but it can be a matologist, but they don't know they don't have a case of this disease. I can give example in South Africa. South Africa is Africa, but they don't have the case of this disease. And when I go to the emergency with Lena, with my daughter, with a sick. Most of the time, they don't know what they have to do. If they, they, they are crying for pain, I ask to give some like morphine. They are very shocked. Why morphine? They're starting with a panado, something like this, paracetamol. And, you know, you want to tell them she suffer. But for them to give morphine is not, uh, no, no, it's not necessary. Because now we live in South Africa right now. Yeah. So... I guess with the collaboration and making sure that your the doctors are collaborating more with you, can you give us an example of a good collaboration and what that looks like? Yeah, I have my hematologist here for Lena, for my daughter. Like Lena, she had a crisis. She was in the hospital and, uh, oh no, it, it wasn't Lena, it was Seraya. And they gave her morphine, it's going well, well, but sometimes the pain is coming back, it's coming back. Just this time I said to the doctor, it's a good, good rheumatologist. I said, doctor, don't you think uh, you can give uh, anti-inflammatory? Like, uh, I know the, the name of the medication, CEFO. And the doctor said, yes, let's go for the CEFO. Yeah, you are right. And he right. And he give to my daughter. And I can say the next day we go home. She's feeling better. <laughs> like, okay, and that's, that's why I like this doctor also, because he... He said to me, like um, my other daughter, it's very difficult to, to find um, the vein. Yes. The blood. And I know what to do. Sometimes I put her hand on the warm water. And one day I was in the hospital with my daughter and the nurse came in. And he said, the doctor said to the nurse, you see how this lady knows more than you. <laughs> and all the time it's like this. I know. You see, I say, no, no, don't do that. Do that. And this doctor, he said, yes. You are right, yeah, because you know more than me, because you live with your child and you have more experience. That's why I like. Yeah, so you, it's listening to each other and it's taking on your experiences that they've learned. Well, yeah. I guess with the bad collaboration is where you said, where you're asking for the morphine 
and they're not wanting to give the morphine because it's they just haven't got the experience of treating patients with sickle cell disease. Yes. And also the, the, the patient also knows his body mm -hmm. and he knows when he needs it. Because I can ask my daughter between one and 10, how's your pen? You can say, mom, it's a seven. I say, do you think I can give you this? He said, no, you can give me this, mom. It's better because it's not too high. It's, I can manage, you'll see. And sometimes, like I have also bad experience. Last time I was in the hospital, the doctor writes on the paper, uh, my daughter needs morphine per PR, per request. If she call and she asks for morphine, they can give her to her. But this nurse, my daughter called her, she said, I have a pen, but she, she didn't ask for uh, uh, morphine. And the lady came with morphine and she gave the morphine to my daughter. And my daughter said, okay, for this time, I'm not going to ask something else. I just see because the whole day I didn't take, I didn't take the morphine. Okay, it's fine. Three hours later, my daughter didn't call her. She came again with the morphine. And my daughter said, why you give me morphine? She said, but you need it. I said, I didn't call you. I didn't ask you. And said, but the doctor writes here. He said, what the doctor write? He said, the doctor write PR per request. Why you give to me? Yeah. See? And what did, um, what did she say? Uh, she gave her the second time. And the, it was uh, around midnight. And my daughter called me. And when she saw I'm talking with, uh, she saw my daughter talking with someone, she, she was very scary. And I said to my daughter, ask her to, to take your blood pressure, to take uh, your heart, to check everything. And my daughter asked her, can you check my blood pressure? Can you take also my heart? And she... She was afraid. Yeah. But when we reported that case to the doctor, he was very angry. And he said, because they don't know about the disease. disease you know, the nurse day. And, and that's when he also mentioned to the nurse, please, you've got to learn to listen to your patient and listen to the mom too. Mm. So as she, I, I just want to emphasize when she speaks about collaboration, that sense of humility as well, and, and listening carefully from, for what the mother or the, the parents or the patient itself is telling you. Uh, that sense of empathy as well. That yeah. sometimes nurses and doctors don't have, especially when they don't know about the disease, and especially in the emergency rooms. This is very bad. So that actually brings me nicely onto our next question about what sort of changes would you like to see in the future for um, the terms of managing sickle cell disease? If you had an ideal world and an ideal list, what would it be? more training and more information about sickle cell disease in every hospital yeah uh, not just in africa or in the u.s but because it's 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 a disease that is um everywhere now. everywhere around the world it's it's not acceptable that people don't know about yeah. it so more training yeah. more information about this disease a better uh better care manage the ma pain. management of the pain, pain yeah um, uh, the people in the emergency room, the, doctor. the doctors in the emergency rooms should better know about sickle cell, especially about the management, because that's where it starts. If there's a better management in the emergency rooms, yeah. then already you increase the chances of seeing the person getting better. But if in the emergency rooms already it, it's not going well, 
you, you increase chances of complication later on. Because she said that they always tell her when, when they ask what's going on and she said sickle cell disease, do you know about sickle cell? They would tell you, uh, yeah, I've heard about it. At school. At school. And that's it. Um, so yeah, I think it comes to more information and training and not just in specific countries, but or a specific hospital or a specific, specific hospital, yeah. but all over the world that people should know, really know about it. Yeah, no, and I've, I've heard that um, from the interview we did earlier on the first podcast series, um, I heard exactly the same thing about raising more awareness of um, sickle cell itself. How do you think that affects your life? Uh, um, like my mom said, it, it affects my life in the, the sense of freedom. It, and as she mentioned, like I'm very active, differently than my sister where they, they have more severe cases. But it, it, it also affected me in terms of my freedom because I know that I cannot go anywhere like I would like to go. I cannot just decide to leave in any country. I need to make sure that there will be a hospital that I know about sickle cell. Um, and in case of emergency, I know where to go and da-di-da-di-da. But it also affected my life in terms of relationship. Um, you will date, like you always have that in your mind. I cannot date somebody, the carrier. So when you were younger, not thinking about marriage, that was fine. But then the more you grow up and you think, you think about getting married, then I started asking myself question, like, how do you go to a man and ask him in your first date or conversation? Uh, do you know about your status? Do you know about your electrophoresis? Do you know if you AA as a carrier? So it affected my life in, in that. And also in terms of activity, you know, sometimes you're afraid to get a job that requires too much effort from you. Um, but I would say that I've, thanks to my mom and my, my dad as well, especially my mom, because she's been so open about the disease to us, it has never been a taboo or something I was ashamed of. I've always spoke about sickle cell disease very openly to people. Um, and I still do today as well. As you've both gone, and this goes out to both of you, this is for Monique and for you, Donya, because I'm, I'm guessing that you've both had different advice. Has there been at any stage some advice that you've been given that has been good and you've gone, great, this is something we can work with, or that has been bad and that you would want to share with us? You mean from a healthcare professional? Yeah, from a healthcare professional. Yeah, uh, we receive also the bad treatment and uh, is a hematologist also. And he's starting to give my daughter warfarin all the time for the, um, warfarin is to make the, the blood thin. Yes. And also to give her antidepressor. Antidepressor. <laughs> Too much medication for nothing. And, uh, and, you know, with Rothin, we have to go to blood test all the time. And if you have a small vena, we can't go to do that. And I just decided to stop with this doctor, this hematologist, and I moved to another one. And when I told this, the other one, he said, why? It's not necessary. Yeah, this is the bet I, I had. And the good, um, I can say, most of the good is coming from the RC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
most of good advices came from there. Yes, like, in, in my case, um, um, I had two doctors in DRC when we grow up. First one, he passed away, unfortunately. And I will always remember his, his advices because he was um, dealing with us and since we were very little. And his advices were always, it was very simple, but good advice. I will always remember it was about drinking water all the time. It was like, you need to drink. And you know, when you, you're small and you don't want to drink water all the time, but today it's thick, it's stuck in, it got stuck in my mind that water is my medicine. Like sometimes I can have a, a beginning, the beginning of a crisis and I start drinking water, especially when I'm, I, I travel uh, with my work and we go on mission trip and things like that. I always have my water bottle with me and I can start feeling like pain, and I know I have to treat it with water. And that is an advice. It's, everybody knows that today, well, in the sickle cell world, but I've heard it from my doctor when I was very, very... Cartoon, yeah, you? and he had like cartoons um, the, when to, we to explain to, chill, to, to us uh, what we had to do. So that was very, very good mm -hmm. advice that as an adult, when I met um, Professor Leon Chilolo as well, um, I saw the same things there. Um, but another good advice that I received, it was with Professor Chilolo. It was in terms of pregnancy. So, and I will compare both because now I'm pregnant. <laughs> um, back here in Cape Town, I met a doctor. He was, he was one of our hematologists. And I think that's the one mom said she didn't like and we left. Um, he, he, I didn't ask him anything. He asked me if I was consi considering having children in the future. And I said, yes. And the advice he gave me was not to have children because he said with my case, it was too risky. Um, I should rather consider adoption. And I remember leaving his uh, doctor's room very shocked because I've never heard that before. And I was still like in <laughs> university. <laughs> Um, and it got stuck in my, in my mind. So when I met Professor Leon Chilolo, I don't know if he, 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 um, he noticed, but I kept asking him question about pregnancy quite a lot of time. And then one day, I think it was like beginning of the year, actually, or last year, I did, I really asked him, what about pregnancy? And I love the advice he gave me. It wasn't really an advice, but he made it look very simple. He told me, when you want to get pregnant, just know when and get prepared. Like you, you have to rest. You need to make sure that you don't have uh, too much stress at work. Your environment needs to be like this. You need to eat well, but it made it so simple. And a couple of months later, I got pregnant. And I think those are the advices that I will, I will carry with me my entire life. Um, the ones that make your life seems easier while carrying the disease. I think also it's an experience they had. Yeah, and I think good good advice comes with good the experience from a doctor. Bad advice goes with not a lot of experience as well. So now that you're pregnant, have you tested to see if your child's a carrier at all? I haven't tested yet. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> I haven't but tested, it, it, but, it, but, it, but I know that my child will be a carrier because his father is not a carrier at all, but I, I am. I have the disease, so 
<laughs> there's no other there's option. no other option <laughs> but it's a good question because a couple of days ago i started thinking about how i would raise my child and talk to my child already about sickle cell so you see it doesn't just stop to sickle cell patients but it also goes with carrier we've yeah. got to raise awareness among carrier um so that the disease doesn't keep on going and going and all, the, all over the world. So I've been, I started to think about that already. How would I approach the subject with my child? How would I talk to him about the those? Him. Yeah, talk to him about this and the disease and the carrier and this and this. It's a challenge, but I, I'm sure I will be able to do it because my mom has been able to do it with me. And yeah. And there's more information out there nowadays. Um, compared to earlier on, as you said, Monique, where there was less information, wasn't Google when you first found out. So you now have Google, but you can also, you've got your lived experiences. The beginning, it was very easy to explain children also because they don't read Google. I have some problem with my um, last, last born, born the Seraya, because she was a, a teenager and the things I told her, you cannot go swim like this because sometimes when you swim and you go back, you, uh, you come from the, the pool and is, you can cool. go cold, it's fine. But now she grow and she go to Google and she saw you can pass away, you can do that. It's a very <laughs> severe disease. And she become like a, she have a lot of problem, depression. She Anxiety. go, yeah. And she, she have to see uh, a psychologist because she go to Google. So Google can be a good thing, but yeah. also a, a challenge because you read a lot of yeah, a lot of things on, on, <laughs> on Google. And my sister actually came to me and she said, oh, it's weird. The way I leave the disease doesn't seem so bad. But when I go on Google, it looks very, very <laughs> bad. And and she asked me, what's the difference? What What are we doing that is not like Google is representing it because I, I read that article and that article. She read stuff on hydroxyria and she wanted to stop drinking yeah. hydroxyria. And then, you said this is not good. It's going to give cancer. Until she spoke to prof, <laughs> Professor Leon Chilolo, who explained <laughs> to her that, well, if you had to get cancer, then every patient who started with hydroxyria would, get, would, would have got a cancer today. So Google can be good. And then. What advice would you give to people with sickle cell disease or sickle cell trait who are struggling to tell the difference between good and bad sources of information online? Everybody should first leave the experience because we are not all the same. You cannot just take a source of information that you get whatsoever on Google or wherever and apply it to your life. You should have your experience first and compare it with what you've heard or what you've seen. And to that, I would add, seek a medical professional that you know, knows about it, is a specialist um, that can tell you more about that. Not everything that I read on the internet is good. Like me, for instance, when I check, I, I try to check also the sources of the article that mm -hmm. I've received and I do more research on the source to see if they really um, know about the disease. In many cases, I found that it was 
people that not, didn't really know. And sometimes it was sources like names of places or hospital that I've already heard about before, maybe in a conversation with uh, Professor Leon Chilolo or other people. And then I will compare it with him. I will ask him about what I've seen. So my advice will be, you can get something, as my mom say, compare it with your experience and also have it checked with a doctor that you trust and that you feel knows about the disease. We are now also joined by Monique and Donia's specialist, Professor Leon Chilolo. Welcome, Professor. Thank you. I'm a hematologist working in Kinshasa, and I'm very happy to take part to this uh, podcast with you. Professor Chilolo, having heard what Monique and Donia have said, what is your perspective on this? How do you think people can identify misinformation online and avoid being worried about it? Yeah, uh, there are many misinformation uh, in uh, our context and I think in different parts of the world because uh, of the difference of opinion on sickle cell disease. Mm -hmm. For example, in our country, I'm just coming back from a rural area where people think that uh, sickle cell disease is a malediction. And this malediction is linked to the mother and not to the father. That means that uh, with this concept, they have in their mind that uh, we have to change, for example, the husband has to change the ladies in order to find the best one who will not get sickle cell disease. This is missed this information that you can find in a rural area. There's another missed this information as um, Donia uh, said, for example, in the uh, medical health uh, environment, some uh, physicians have a bad opinion on some drugs. Just, I know that some people say, don't take penicillin because you will increase the resistance to pneumococcus. Don't take aduxurea because it's a terrible drug. You will have side effects and so on. This is information that we have. How can we do? Now, what we are doing, the first step we are doing is to make a large sensibilization program using radio, TV, uh, editing uh, leaflets. We have edited a leaflet called Dr. SS in French, in which we talk, we, we describe a story of a sickle cell patient. And another thing we have to do is to increase the educational program on sickle cell disease for the health workers. I, and I think also another step is very important to, um, to, to make uh, uh, the local authorities in the different steps we are doing for the implementation of a rational um, program of sickle cell disease in our country. And it's very, that is very important. Thank you for that. I, um, I wanted to go back to a question you mentioned around mental health, um, Monique, because obviously that is a big factor and sometimes people are not necessarily aware. So what sort of help did your daughter get in the end 
to help her with her anxiety and everything else. She went to go to the psychologist and uh, they gave her some medication, but still now is going better. And also the doctor, the matologist helped her also to explain her. It's not like a, a drama. You can grow, you can study, you can have children. And it's very important also the doctor has to help the person with sickle cell. Because like I gave example, the doctor with Donia went, the, another hematologist, it was negative. And when you go to see this doctor, you come back home, you are very down. Yeah. And even you, you, you are the parents, you are the, the, the patient, you are very down. Yeah, and, and just jumping on what my mom said, um, my sister went to see a psychologist with different matters, not specifically on the sickle cell um, problem that she, that she had, but, but that was also part of, part of it, a big part of it. So in psychologists, mental health was just dealt with medications and things like that. Um, but I think the biggest part of the help, as she said, often comes from the doctor himself, the hematologist that she's seeing. Because, you know, as patients and even um, parents, we put a lot of trust in the doctors because we believe that they know what they're doing. So if the person I'm going to see is giving me hope and he's telling me it's going to be okay, I'll go home and I said, my doctor says it's going to be okay. And I will trust, I will trust and, and believe what, what he said. But if he's very negative about it, so it affects everything. I think every doctor that deals with patient with sickle cell, even patient with cancer, or I don't know what, every kind of disease like that should have um, that sense of counseling a bit of experience with counseling patient and providing that help that can improve maybe a little bit our mental health as well. Because the crisis can come also from the, the fear, from the, the stress. And if you go to see the doctor and after that you feeling like uh, stressing or what, but your crisis coming again, <laughs> you become sick again. What advice would you give to a young haematologist who is managing a case of sickle cell disease for the first time? He has to refer to specialists. Um, yes, that's an advice I could give. Like, let's say it's his first case. Um, the, first of all, don't panic. Uh, um, because it, it can be very impressive when you see somebody with sickle cell in the middle of a crisis. You can, even as a, a doctor, that if, you if, if you've never seen that uh, and it's the first time, it can be very impressive and you can panic. So don't panic because we as patients and even the, the parents can read it in your eyes, in your body language that you're panicking or you don't know what to do. That's the first thing. And second thing will be reassure the patient that whatever thing will happen, things gonna be fine. Because by the time you do that, we can calm down already. And in meantime, go and do your research. Call. Don't try to do things yourself. Don't try to, to resolve and to only find Only what you study. Yeah, and don't because rely on what you've studied study. only. Yeah. Call people. Um, make your research. 
find help um, on, on, uh, with people that know a little bit more than you. More case. Yeah. Yeah. And also don't say we don't need to do for the X-ray. We It's not necessary for that. We have to check everything in the body. Yeah. If you can do that. Maybe in Africa, they don't have a medical aid support for to do all exams like X-ray or sauna or what. But the, the country, they have these things. We have to check it. Check everything. Everything. And be open. Yeah. Be open to, to explore because you don't know what what has caused the crisis yeah. you don't know where it comes from so 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 explore everything yeah i had a case like that as well and my mom was on the phone like lately i was in the hospital and i spent uh 10 10 days um in in icu in congo and professor chinulo wasn't there and for me, everything is just Professor Chilolo. And I had to call him. People called him wherever he was, please. And I was not comfortable because he wasn't there. But there were younger doctors that were there. But I made sure to ask them because my mom kept saying, ask them to, to do this test, this test, this test, this test. And I kept asking them. Thank God, most of them were open about it. They knew what to do. But you do find sometimes people that will tell you, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. And you'll find out that it's in the very thing that they say it's not necessary, that you will find that that's where the problem lies. So be open about exploring, make, check everything, call people and don't do things on your own. Thank you. And I guess it's also making sure I asked the questions as well. You mentioned about the fact about listening to the patient. So that's also probably a bit of the advice as well as being open to asking questions, but also listening to the patient. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Don't, don't draw your own conclusion or, yeah, listen to the patient and trust the patient. Because, you know, sometimes doctors can be, they've asked me once and I was really happy. They're like, um, last month when I was in ICU on a scale of one to 10, how is your pain? And I shouted 10, it was a 10, <laughs> it was a 10. And I saw in the doctor's face, it went like 10. Okay. 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 All right. All right. All right. But he trusted me. He, he, he trusted that I was telling him the truth. It was a 10 and they went and they did everything they could do to stop the pain. And plus I was pregnant. So it was even more difficult. But you do find doctors when you tell them it's at 10 or it's at nine, they're like, can't be just because they see you managing the pain. We get very strong as well. Um, it's not because my pain is at nine that I should be <laughs> crying. I can handle, well, handle. You will not always sh- see me shouting, but my pain is at nine. Trust me when I tell you it's at nine. And sometimes you find people say, if it was at nine, she wouldn't be so calm. So. <laughs> We'll see later. So yeah, listen to your patient and trust your patient. In terms of HV as well, somebody who doesn't have sickle cell has maybe an HV at 10, let's say. And sometimes doctors get used to sickle cell patients having maybe very low HV. But they tend to forget that we're all different. Me, for instance, with hydroxyria, my HV is usually at 9. All right. And suddenly my HB goes at eight or 7.5. If my doctor knows me well and listen, he will be like, no, 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 no. Um, 
your HB is too low for you, Donia. It doesn't mean that somebody who has sickle cell and that lives with HB at 7.5 and is fine carrying his life, it doesn't mean that everybody with sickle cell should be fine with HB at 7.5. So making the difference and understanding that we are all different, even if we all have sickle cell disease, we're still different. It's not one case fit all. <laughs> for me, I don't know if it's true yeah. for prof. <laughs> I don't know, no, even, I don't know if prof can say something about it. Leon, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, thank you very much. Very interesting, these uh, testimony from Donia and uh, Moda. I think that uh, what I can say about the sickle cell disease and about patients suffering uh, from sickle cell disease, any patient is exceptional. Any patient is unique. They are not the same. They are different. What do I learn after many years of uh, working with uh, this uh, category of patients that I can say any patient, we have to introduce the personalized treatment for any patient. She's right when she said that uh, we have to know, for example, I'm in mythologies, I have to know how is the usual HB uh, that Donia has. It's different with another child who's living uh, in the surrounding area of Kinshasa. Uh, this child has six uh, value of uh, hemoglobin. For this child, six is normal for this child, but not for Donia. That's very important. Another thing I think we have to remember that uh, the physician, the nurses, they have to listen more. Any uh, things that patients say is true. As I used to say to to my colleagues that when a patient say, I feel a pain, we have to be faithful in what the patient said and not to say, oh, you have taken morphine, she's uh, just a capricious. And no, we have to be faithful to what they are saying. I've never experienced the pain that uh, a sickle cell patient has, but I believe in what they say. That's very important. Another thing I think we have to be uh, optimistic and faithful in the future because the science is going in the, in the good way. Now we know that we have some drugs like Aduxurea. We are dreaming also for the African countries that uh, bone marrow transplantation will be probably in the next years possible, even in the low income countries. And gene therapy, I think that uh, is another possible way for curation of sickle cell disease. And I think we have to, to have a dream. And that's my dream. Right. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this podcast. In the next episode, Dr. Joe Howard and Professor Leon Chilolo will discuss the present and future of sickle cell disease and reflect on how understanding the patient experience could lead to a better clinical practice. The Perspectives in Sickle Cell Disease podcast is a collaboration between Obsidian Healthcare Group, a global provider of medical education, and the European Hematology Association. Okay. If you're a healthcare professional, 
looking for more education on sickle cell disease, visit the EHA campus at ehaweb.org forward slash education.